NAB Show New York is where go-getters in media, entertainment, finance, and advertising connect and champion new content strategies. Discover new tools and solutions from 300-plus exhibitors and gain actionable insights from more than 50 conference sessions. Learn more at nabshowny.com and get your free core package. Welcome to the Film Comment Podcast. My name is Nicholas Rapold, and I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Film Comment. An annual highlight of the New York Film Festival is the Projections Program, which showcases experimental cinema. We don't often get to talk about experimental film on the podcast, so we didn't want to miss the opportunity to discuss a strong selection of mind-expanding work. My personal favorite was a future shock pastiche by Jeremy Shaw that uses found footage of snake-handling ceremonies. But I largely see the floor here to my esteemed colleagues who have brilliant things to say about the whole projections program. For this discussion, I was joined by... Uh, Nellie Killian. I'm a curator based in New York and um, contributing editor at Film Comment Magazine. And... Becca Volker, PhD student in film theory at Harvard and uh, sometime contributor to Film Comment. Let's go to the conversation and make sure to tune in next week for more Film Comment talks from the New York Film Festival. Becca just did an interview with Sky Hopinka, whose uh, short Fainting Spells is in the festival. So that seemed like a good occasion. And I just thought, you know, to dive in the deep end a little, we could just start off by talking, you know, what was an established experimental filmmaker that you saw uh, here and, and one that was maybe newer to you. And that way, just kind of get a general lay of the land. Um, and, unless one of you wants to characterize the festival generally, like where this fits in. Is it kind of like a starting point at the beginning of the year or one starting point for a lot of these films? I mean, for me, I don't travel really to like European film festivals or anything. So I feel like it's always this waiting game that you start to hear these films like sort of bubbling up at Rotterdam, Berlin, uh, you know, a number of other festivals uh, over the course of the year. But those two seem to start like a certain season of things that like just then you have to wait until October to see them in New York. So it's always this combination of things that I've been anticipating for a long time. And then also, again, I don't know. I don't know how much of it's dictated by the fact that everyone's probably on an academic year (laughs) and how much of it like, you know, so many people are teachers who um, are experimental filmmakers. I know a lot of it's also just dictated by wanting to get your film on a certain sort of circuit. But I think Rotterdam kind of, or not Rotterdam, Locarno sort of starts things again. Mm-hmm. And then again, so it's, but this lineup had a number of things also that I, I wasn't familiar with yeah. that I, that weren't things that were sort of in my mind, um, you know, just sort of waiting for them to turn up in New York, you know, inevitably. Yeah. Uh, so I think <laughs> it's a fun mixture, isn't it? There's yeah. some things which I'd seen in Locarno um, and then other things which maybe were came in a bit later, which are totally new for me here, which is really, really good. Well, let's, let's, let's start, uh, let's start with that. I mean, who's, who are some, who's, who's someone you knew already and we're very happy to, to see their work again uh, here? Well, I was really thrilled with Beatrice Gibson's new film uh, when I saw it at uh, Wavelengths, actually, but um, she's someone who I've, you know, seen her work, you know, for many years here at uh, Lincoln Center and other contexts as well. And um, yeah, she's someone who, you know, I think I had expectations based on 
her work that like this is just a real departure. There's something I think very personal about it that I really wasn't expecting from her. And um, the movie just kind of seemed to keep on surprising me, not just with the directions it was moving in, but also like this really sort of like earned intimacy and uh, with her and uh, also with these ideas that I feel like a lot of people are working through about, you know, or I mean, maybe things I'm thinking of with uh, in our sort of political moment, sort of what is the line between like self-care and retreat or, you know, and like there's this idea of the sort of generative power of her home life and her family life that I feel like, and also uh, the generative potential of this sort of art that she was engaged in. It's really, it's like, it's not escape or like, you know, to go into even a cloistered community that has this kind of ferment of either feeling or um, engagement with the world is actually something that like just bolsters like your ability to engage with the world at large. Yeah. And it has like, and again, there was like moments where I would like kind of resist it. And then like, I'd be like, no, it's, <laughs> it's so good. Uh, including there's like a final moment, I spoiler alert, but uh, <laughs> Amazing. Uh, <laughs> where she uh, sort of reenacts like possibly the most iconic final sequence of the last 25 years. Mm. And, but she, uh, I mean, I can, I get, it's okay. To talk about? Yeah, yeah, I, th yeah. I think probably. And, 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 Switch off now if you don't want it. Right. Yeah, if you <laughs> so, don't want an experimental <laughs> film spoiled for you. Yeah. But um, I think she basically uh, reenacts the dance that Denny Levant does at the end of um, Blow Trevi. And I think, again, but she's doing it sort of with her child in tow. And it's this like very exuberant, like cathartic mm. moment of like pure like pleasure between her and her son. And I think especially after seeing, I haven't seen High Life yet, um, but after seeing Claire Denis' last movie, which was also so like sort of feminine and intimate and like then seeing like this very, this movie that's so associated with masculinity, seeing that like kind of repurposed in this like maternal yeah. moment was yeah. uh, like extremely moving yeah. for me. Yeah, it's very, it's very direct, isn't it? This film and its energy, even the title, I hope I'm loud when I'm dead. It's fun, yeah. Isn't it amazing? Um, <laughs> I actually, I was home in San Francisco and I was talking to my friend's mother and I was talking about this movie and how much I loved it. And she's like also like a very like, you know, loud, like political, <laughs> like baby boomer woman. <laughs> and um, finally she was like, well, what's the title of the movie? And I was like, oh, I hope I'm loud when I'm dead. And like we both just like cackled. <laughs> yeah. I think language in this film is so good. Like um, she, there's a lot of, it's her voiceover and it's very direct and personal and she's addressing one of her sons, the one we see her dancing with, he must be, I'm not sure, I, I can't judge children well, three years old or something, yeah. called Laser. Um, and she, she, so in the voiceover we hear her say, dear Laser, and then she says like, um, because of you, I'm like tone of voice, I'm, what is it, I'm edgeless, or my, um, her nerves are all set off on edge as well. And we have this yeah. kind of feeling, I guess the film opens, that opening sequence of, screeching underground train breaks and crowds and it's very like fast cutting and and I think there's alarming. like a dialogue that's sort of talking about just sort of like the fear I, I mean I think it was like a reference to like the bombing of the tube in London that mm -hmm. it's just like everything there's like kind of danger everywhere right and we see shots yeah. of Grenfell fire of course yeah um, a lot of kind of iPhone footage that she's sourced I suppose on online and in the news and yeah there's this kind of feeling of like um 
crisis ordinariness, I want to say, mm. or like, you know, alarm that's constantly with us. Yeah. And definitely. then she's seeking or she's finding something through her son, maybe. I think her son and also through the poetry that she's mm. like going to see um, and like, you know, the sort of art she's engaging with. Um, but yeah, it is. It's a it's kind of like, so you're raising your child during the apocalypse. Right. But that doesn't mean that there's not going to be these sort of like ecstatic moments with mm -hmm. your child. And like, how do you sort right. of integrate all of this into your life? And also just the date, the world that he's, you're bringing him into. How do you expose him to that? I was thinking about the fil film, if it's got kind of three perspectives or the structure of it, if you have this sort of alarm and... Um, images from news footage and then you have a central section which is the poets which mm -hmm. maybe uh, yeah I'd like to hear what you thought of that because I find that was really interesting as a second voice but difficult to place and then you have this third perspective of her being a mother and the the ending when she's dancing with her mm -hmm. son but yeah what did you think of the the, the poets because it's C.A. Conrad and Eileen Miles. Miles right um I you know I I wish I could go back now and like remember what some of the poems that they read were. I know, uh, I hope I'm loud and I'm dead mm. is one of them, mm. but it did feel like, um, the poetry was this sort of direct engagement with these ideas of like crisis and like living in crisis. Mm. And, but again, like it was kind of in these small reading environments where you did kind of feel like the intimacy of like sharing that experience yeah, yeah. that I actually felt like, it did, I mean, so much of the movie seemed like about art making in this moment and mm -hmm. having that sort of direct address of like an artist expressing their art mm -hmm. uh, just seemed like a, a really nice way to sort of keep that focus. Mm. Yeah. There was another thing I really liked about her voiceover, Beatrice's voiceover. She says sometimes, this is Alice speaking now, or this is Audrey speaking now, this is... Adrian speaking now and I wasn't I wasn't ever quite sure who these people were and then you have that kind of layering on top of the, the poets who we see reading their work in direct address and there's so it seems like there's this kind of sedimentation of of talking and of thought and of different um ways of addressing like now what it is to be experiencing these things and yeah and about and doing it in like a sort of like really um like a really like present, like rigorous community. Yeah. 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 Yeah, no, it was, it was interesting seeing that um, again, because I had, and actually uh, we programmed it at Berwick Film Festival and um, it worked really differently here. I saw it yesterday in the second projections program. And I think coming after a couple of, like there was a Zachary Epcar film, an Alan Siegel film, they, gave each other this really interesting energy. Mm. Yeah, worked very well, I think. Maybe we can stay stay with you, Becca, if you want to talk about, um, I mean, you could just, you were just mentioning Zachary Apgar, if you want to talk about, that's one of the filmmaker that's sort of was newer to you. Yeah. Um, and I mean, if also if you, could, if you can give a sense, uh, I'm, I'm not as familiar with, with his work of what, just what it visually looks like, you know, that sort of thing. That's a really good place to start, actually, because visually and sonically, it was such a pleasure. Um, to, I was scribbling notes in the dark, which now are quite hard to see, but I have put a reminder to myself, like, enjoyable, what are some of the words, nimble, funny, I mean, they sound really hackneyed, these words, but it was, it was such a, 
uh, I don't know, like dense film, but I, I don't mean in I don't mean in a way that's difficult to unpack. It was more like a, a pleasure to see everything that was going on. So I'll back up a bit. Though. The film's called Life After Love. It's, wow, it's only eight minutes. Again, it feels like there's a lot more. It was really interesting listening to um, Zachary talk in the Q&A afterwards. He was, basically what we see in the film is um, a whole load of stationary cars, parked cars, near a train station that he uses to commute. So it's like a familiar um, place for him. He walked through every day and he was really interested and he began thinking about these cars as little worlds, essentially, or, or little containers. And he was interested in what is the time that we spend in our cars? I say this, I mean, I'm like, it's been years since I drove and I don't have a car, but I can, <laughs> <laughs> can sort of imagine it again um, in this film. And so he's he's shooting um, in this car park and sometimes people uh you see people eating like a picnic in their car or there's a woman who's doing some kind of a listening meditation exercise um li listening to a probably not the film comment podcast actually but, uh, <laughs> no that's way too traumatizing to usually <laughs> yes <laughs> um and there's really beautiful shots it's uh i guess it's on 16 the color is is amazing and you have a lot of sunlight reflecting uh, on these cars and really making me think about screens and the windscreens of the cars and the metal work and the and then also the sound plays into this really well so at one beautiful point there's a dog inside the car who's licking the car window from the inside <laughs> and you can see so you can see that you see the dog you see his or her tongue on the window and then the noise is amazing um and but again this is just like playing with what's inside and what's outside right. <laughs> in in a great way because what are these things they're like everyday moments that we might we might also see if we're walking through the parking mm -hmm. lot and then the other really interesting thing, I think, in this film was the language play that's going on. So one of the one of the voiceovers we we hear is this, I guess um, it's most similar to a meditational guide or tape or something, mm -hmm. but it's actually taken from, he took a lot of it straight from the Nissan car website. Um, and mm -hmm. it's it's kind of, so it's mixing in this advertising speak um, but the woman, we then find that the woman who's in the car listening to that um, not film comment podcast is listening to this, <laughs> oh. to this voice. So you've got an interesting, again, play maybe with inside and outside, like what mm -hmm. were we hearing on the soundtrack? And then, oh, she's also listening to it when right, she's in the right. car. There it makes me think of, you know, just the audio point of view. Like at, at that point, you feel like, you know, you didn't realize you were sort of from her perspective. Somehow, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I think that's quite, quite humorous. Um, mm -hmm idea which is reinforcing his interest in when you're inside your own car you're in your own bubble or your own world and mm -hmm. then but right. what happens when light or sound interferes with this you also get it with like um when they somebody scroll scrolls down the window and then the sound changes and becomes much more mm. direct or right. yeah so that was that was someone who was sort of newer to you and then you actually did an interview um with uh, sky hupinka who's um uh, actually has been more than once in this in projections right I, I yeah this yeah, is several years right yeah. Running, running, yeah, yeah. yeah so this is third maybe yeah um so what, what was this this latest one uh, fainting spells fainting spells yes it's a beautiful 10 just over 10 minutes i think um video and he's interested so for people 
um, less familiar with his work, I guess some some key things in it would be inner and outer landscapes, um, how landscape connects with identity, um, particularly um, indigenous American identity. He's Ho-Chunk Pechanga, um, has moved around the States a fair amount and is really interested in myth for one thing and, and languages and he, he's learnt Ho-Chunk and Chinook. Chinook. So he's learnt as an adult Ho-Chunk and Chinook. Um, and he, it was very interesting, something that came up um, in the interview, he was talking about myth and how some myths can only be told at certain times of the year. Like if there's a, a summer myth, like you would never tell that in the winter. But then what happens if you're a video maker like he is and your video gets shown, oh. um, you know, and it has You're in Rotterdam like, and then you're <laughs> in Locarno. <laughs> you have to be like, hey guys, like, I can't, you know, this isn't a... This isn't right right now. <laughs> um, so that was that was one uh, starting point, I think, for this this video, which is thinking about the um, Indian pipe plant, which is uh, a, a plant which he found out about in this botanical dictionary, I suppose, or encyclopedia. And the plant has powers to revive somebody who's fainted, hence the title oh, Fainting right. Spells. But he um, got interested in kind of writing a myth for this plant and thinking about what questions that raises or what that does connected with being an active member of a community of a tribe and uh, also living living a myth now what does that mean in 2018 mm. um and then and then yeah it, using the language of video so it's uh how it looks as a, a video is rich rich colors amazing landscape shots this scrolling text which is is written i should also say he writes and he's put out a book this year um, oh right and the one of the lines in this film actually is then the title of the book around the edge of encircling lake and you see there are several landscapes i think there's like some uh, incredible sand dunes in south south colorado um there's more in the like pacific northwest um, different times of year. So broadly, maybe it's a landscape film, but landscape mm. is really right. meant in a multi-dimensional sense. Right. Yeah, and I think it it also um, he's manipulating the footage, so you are sort of getting this like hallucinatory like feeling for the landscape that does sort of map onto this idea of sort of uh, consciousness and. Uh, lack of consciousness if you fainted mm -hmm. and um, sort of like revival and myth and like, you know, psychogeography. It's like very sort of, uh, it kind of is like simultaneously like showing you these like multiple like valences of the landscape as like something yeah. you're experiencing um, like in your body, but also like in maybe a dream state or something. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's um, that's a really good point. I think it also connects with his previous films in that in what you've said about different layers or um, voices within a landscape. Because in previous work, he also draws from anthropologists, for example, or historical, like what has happened at, at that site, um, and then bringing in really contemporary things. I'm thinking of um, a film he made at Standing Rock, or mm. yeah, and the uh, the other thing as well with the digital. Uh, manipulation that he does um, which I find really interesting is the way he's thinking about it as a language and about the the play you know when you get fluent in a language mm -hmm. like when you get fluent editing 
you can then begin to take risks or to play with things or to to um, manipulate stuff and um i think that that comes across it's very playful mobile it is and also there's uh i mean with the sort of uh, scrolling text, there's like a moment where it becomes impossible to read sort of everything mm. that's happening. Mm. And there is like, a, I feel like at that moment, there's like an understanding that it's like, and some of this might right. be beyond. That's right, know? isn't it? It's a really good mm. bit. Yeah. We've, we're reading fairly rapidly text scrolling on the top of the screen. And then it, and starts, then it comes in the bottom and it's different. Yeah, there's two, te- two simultaneous text scrolling. Oh, okay. Quickly enough that you really can't, you can't, there's no yeah. way to move back and forth. And it becomes like, yeah. There's more to this than I'll be able to comprehend in a single viewing. Also, yeah. do you remember the bit? Um, there's scrolling text going across the middle of the screen and there's a static landscape shot. And then at one point, then the text stops and the landscape starts. We pan across <laughs> this beautiful oh, wow. landscape. So then it, it's it's all about reading, I guess, reading the text or reading the landscape mm. and these working in these strong, strong horizontals. As I'm speaking, I'm like moving my hands around, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> kind that's of drawing cool. it again. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's, uh, I have to see that. <laughs> Let's see. I mean, I guess Helena Whitman was another name that Yeah, came it's up? actually kind of a perfect segue because oh. I, it's also a very pan heavy movie. Uh, <laughs> it's true. It's perfect. Just, yeah, just, yeah. Uh, you know, wiped you from mm-hmm. one to the next. <laughs> but um, yeah, she was someone who I'm not familiar with and I don't know if I've seen her work. I mean, I will say, like, it's always the thing of seeing these shorts programs. Like you were saying that um, the Beatrice Gibson played particularly well in uh, this short program, too. Um, but, you know, sometimes a movie just, like, doesn't, whatever, doesn't register in a shorts program when you see it at a festival. Mm-hmm. Like, right. possibly just because it came right after something that you either really loved or so really true. hated. Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah. uh, or, you know, whatever, mm. you know, whatever happened. You yeah. just weren't paying attention for one movie. Mm-hmm. And um, you kind of have to give your brain a break sometimes. Mm. So I actually don't know if I've seen her work before. <laughs> um, I should look it up. But yeah. um, Well, she also had a, she also did a feature, I guess, Drift. I haven't seen so that. That was in yeah. New Director's New Films. That's how I, yeah. I, 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 I know yeah. her. But. I don't think I'd seen anything before, yeah. but like I... And th- mm. she was in the same program here as Sky, wasn't she? Oh. She was, which is an interesting uh, combination. Mm. Mm. What's, what's the yeah. title of this one again? This one is called Atacale. It's actually named for this island, I believe in Romania, or that has been submerged. It was like an Ottoman Turkish like holdout that was sort of changing hands mm over the course of the 19th, 20th century. But apparently like very beautiful historic island that had this enclave of uh, Turkish people that uh, there was a hydroelectric uh, project that, um, and this was like the sort of most notable island that was completely submerged. Okay. So, and the movie does have this kind of like Atlantis feel, (laughs) you know, that it is like, you know, it starts, you're hearing, there's text on screen, you're hearing uh, sort of multiple languages, sort of reciting poetry and like sort of these questions. Again, I, I wish I could remember the poem that starts it, but it uh, it is this kind of uh, instability of um, the sort of poly, uh, so many different languages being smoking and like kind of talking about, again, sort of similar to Beatrice Gibson, this sort of like crisis moment. Mm. And then it moves into this, kind of like anonymous but very identifiable apartment like seems like a sort of European student Uh 
uh, <laughs> several bedroom uh-huh. um, that is, you can hear in the streetscape that it's uh, sort of, uh, you know, in a urban area, there's uh, the sort of like clamor of what's going on outside. And you're just seeing sort of pans um, across the various rooms of this apartment. Um, mm-hmm. And the sort of cast of characters is shifting, uh, people having dinner, a person falling asleep, uh, a person reading a book, um, empty rooms. And it's this kind of like even like afternoon light throughout that you get the sense that this it's like almost like time is standing still in this room. Um, And while like things are changing, Mm -hmm. like the people are changing, obviously time is passing. Mm -hmm. It's kind of impossible to tell, which creates, I think, this sort of like eerie like sense of like stasis and like mm. complacency that I, f- I found like, it's like, I found it actually to be like really like uh, kind of chilling. Uh, mm. it, it sort of reminded me in some ways of Minotaur, that uh, Nicholas Pareda movie from oh, a few yeah. years ago where it's the people sleeping, yeah. sleeping, sleeping. Uh, <laughs> and I, uh, yeah, that there's like this sense of like the world, like as the world spins, there is this sort of like bohemia that is like untouched and like how that is like actually like really suffocating Mm. reality or very out of touch reality. Um, But like done, but also like, but you're also kind of drawn in because it is like this, again, it's a student apartment. They're drinking wine. They're Mm -hmm. taking naps. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting as well. We're always kind of gliding through that pan towards the left. Like a... It goes back and forth. Oh, is it going back and it forth? It does. It, it doesn't go in just one direction. Okay. Yeah. But I, there's a rhythm to it. But yeah, it's definitely multidirectional. Mm. Yeah. It is interesting. I mean, so both, I think, in these shorts programs, something can get sort of hidden mm. because mm-hmm. yeah. you, like, whatever, your mind is elsewhere when you see it. But yeah. then also something, sometimes something will just, like, pop out and you're just like, I saw, you know, however many dozens of films and, like... One. Yeah, one thing yeah. just like, you know, Jump. is indelible in your mind. Yeah. 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 It's like a museum visit. And how do I yeah. think about it? You know, you, you never take in every single painting. Um, yeah. NAB Show New York is where go-getters in media, entertainment, finance, and advertising connect and champion new content strategies. 300-plus startup innovators and industry-respected leaders are gearing up to answer your questions as you demo their latest products and solutions. 50-plus sessions taking place on the show floor will get you up to speed on new business models, trending technology, and the latest creative inspirations. All complemented by several community-focused events set to expand your network and connect you with influencers shaping careers, creativity, and culture. Learn more at nabshowny.com and get your free core package. Can I talk about another one I loved? Yes. Kind of indelible. Um, to use that as a segue, did you did either of you see Lida Lakshundi's film? Yes, Words I, Planets. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I first saw Words Planets actually in a three channel installation in Lux in London oh, okay. back in the early summer, mm. um, and so she had a projection, a TV monitor. It was it was um, felt quite different than to see it yesterday in this program, the program that I loved the most. This the one I keep on going on about, program two. So it's it's only a ten minute film, stunningly shot. The light is is uh, incredible on it. There's this one scene that I keep on coming back to. She she often uses fruit in her. It seems like a re- recurring thing, particularly um, 
lemons, but bananas also come into it sometimes. But some, and um, also some like kind of more grotesque yeah. fruits. Like I think she has a, it's a, what is that? It's a Buddha's hand, I think. I don't even know that. It's an aromatic um, citrus. Buddha's hand, is that a type of lemon or is another it's type, a type of, of fruit of citrus, entirely? I believe, okay. that oh. like you don't really eat, but it's like very aromatic. Oh. Huh. It's very knobbly and strange shaped, isn't it? And again, it's yellow. It's kind of grotesque. Yeah. <laughs> but like beautiful. But like, yeah, like it's like weird. Right. Yeah. And so we see at one point we see somebody hold this Buddha's fruit, which I didn't know. Is that what it's called? Buddha's. I think it's, well, maybe we should Google it. I'm pretty sure it was a Buddha's hand. Buddha's hand. It looked like kind of an, it looked like one that was like kind of curled up. Right. So at one point we see a hand so hold the hand. Buddha's hand. Okay. Um, and behind it is an open vast vast landscape and another amazing scene is this um one of the the people who um reappears again and again in this film this young woman who's holding a lemon in each hand and she's got this yellow shirt on and the sun is hitting her yellow shirt and it's it's so cinematic it's so like mm. i want to say zesty but i'll be so embarrassed if that's, <laughs> if that's. Zesty. that works um, yeah um so it it presents these um, memorable and enjoyable scenes, and a lot of it is to do with the landscape and the body and, and the, the relationship between them both. Another interesting thing that came up um, in this, I think, is the... So when Lida was making it, she was, she was pregnant and then gave birth, and we actually see her baby oh. in it towards the end. Um, and she kind of uses a similar sort of direct address it made me think of of Beatrice Gibson's film again mm. and and what is it to be a mother or to 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 like go through I guess that transformation um during making it so at, at one point in this film she says um on an on-screen text my life from now on is two lives which is really interesting and mm. I feel like there's some play with doubling and repetition going on in the film um a lot is to do with alphabets and she's using some quotations, I think, from R.D. Lang, Lucy Lippard, mm -hmm. um, and it, playing around with them, like having fun with language and then making um, making different types of language. Like we see some hands up against a wall making shadow, like mm. not exactly shadow puppets, but it looks like some kind of sign language or shadow puppetry they're doing. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I think her movies always have the, are always, are often in like these domestic spaces, often mm. within sort of dramatic landscapes, but there is always a sense of like this sort of indoor outdoor, I think mm -hmm. in her work. Mm -hmm. And they do go indoor and outdoor literally in this film, don't they? It's really they do, nice. They just out like, of the doorway, but it's yeah. also, I think, and that's like one of those first scenes where you're seeing her child. And I mean, you know, presumably I, I think I, I assumed like her family, um, with her not there, but, mm. you know, a man holding the child and things that like, I think there is always this sense of like domestic space. And I think there's mm. always something very personal in her work, but like in this case, like with her child in it and the sort of direct address, I don't think I've ever, I can't think of another one of her films where she's directly commenting on her relationship to the figures in the frame that it does, it kind of like brings this almost home movie feeling to it that like is has always been there in her work but like again it never like sort of directly commented on mm -hmm. and here there's something very warm about it 
and there's yeah. a interesting thing maybe just hearing you say that is making me think about the other um kind of self-reflexive move that she does here which is she's projecting we see like we're in a dark room and she's projecting her own film which we're watching yes. in that room so it's which kind is- of commenting on the film as a process mm. we also see at one point she's punching holes into a film strip and then and then that film strip is played for us mm. and she also films the crew right so we see the sound man and yeah it's like it does seem more directly self refer than her other work yeah. that it's kind of like bringing you into this moment where I'm sure like a lot of the ways that she does things change when you have a child mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. the way you approach things and like you're actually seeing her process and mm-hmm. yes yeah, seeing her you know work on the film sort of it it seems more whatever mm-hmm. yeah like a kind of a almost like makes explicit a lot of things I think have been implicit in a lot of her other work yeah yeah mm-hmm. It it also, I think it worked so well in this program and, and reaching across to some of the other programs. Mm-hmm. Again, thinking about... Um, Definitely Sky's work. Right. Uh, with the landscape. Landscape and language and, as well. And of course, Beatrice. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, yeah. again, with the art making and motherhood and everything, of course. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe also um, a film we haven't mentioned, but uh, Alan Siegel's film, Key Washer Coin. 14 minute film. It, it was really... So I believe he worked as a a language strategist um, oh. for a while or in advertising with language. I hadn't heard of this job title before. Um, it seems a bit of a nef- nefarious <laughs> <laughs> job title. <somehow. laughs> um, well, it's also something I feel like we could talk about, or it's kind of what we've been talking about with so many of these other soulmakers. true, yeah, yeah. Because mm. yeah. <laughs> we are all language yeah. strategists. <laughs> um, but in, in his film as well, he's got a, a lot to do with... Um, breaking rules of language or what is your perception of sound what happens when a word is repeated again and again and again um, and I think there's some definite parallels with with words planets with Lydis film that is um, and and his mm. this is a little off projections topic oh, but sure. while we're kind of talking about home movies yes so oh I, please I've, I've been on this like parallel experimental film weekend uh, <laughs> during projections because MoMA is showing these home productions that Jerry Lewis made in the 50s mm-hmm. and they are incredible incredible <laughs> um but it is this uh, uh experimental filmmaking like in a sense or personal filmmaking, I guess. I mean, mm-hmm. talking about the nomenclature that you like started, whatever it yeah, is, yeah. but it's non whatever. He's making <laughs> these sort of like parodies of Hollywood movies with like his wife and um, Janet Lee and uh, Tony Curtis are in most of them. <laughs> um, uh, Dean Martin shows up and like croons about uh, bagels in the moonlight during like the <laughs> Sunset Boulevard parody. But, um, and they kind of like, they seem like lost Kuchar movies. Mm. Wow. Um, wow. Bringing it into the <laughs> yeah. sort of, uh, you know, tradition of projections slash views from the avant-garde that they, you know, you can see the clapper sometimes, like Jerry mm-hmm. will address the, like will introduce directly. Uh, and there are these like Hollywood parodies, super over the top. And then they're also mixing it with all of this, like kind of outtakes and like footage that I guess, aren't movies like there was one thing yesterday that was like just 12 minutes of a flapper party that they had that like seemed like like maybe it was going to be a scene in a movie or maybe who knows but you know they're all like performers and like you know they're goofing and like dancing and you get like I mean I've never 
I I think I love Janet Lee and Tony Curtis on a like extremely like profound level after watching them just like goof around with their friends for like a couple hours. Um, but it, it does it like drawing you into this world of Jerry Lewis and his friends like hanging out in the fifties and Pacific mm-hmm. Palisades like dressing up and like dancing. <laughs> I mean, it, it's really kind of like wild. Yeah. Uh, you know, almost too bad that it's against projections because I, I do feel like yeah. uh, an audience, there's a yeah. uh, Venn diagram of who's interested in this type of stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe you can organize a field trip yeah. after <laughs> one of the projections program. Yeah. Um, no, I'm really glad you, you, you brought that up uh, because I, it's interesting to see how, how these films talk to each other and, and talk to films outside of the this universe. Um, staying along the kind of, I guess, historical since that's those these are those are movies from like the 50s i guess 50s yeah or yes yeah there there are a few uh retrospective or revival selections or restoration selections in in projections i guess there's a james benning i'm gonna go and see that in uh in a minute oh okay good likewise maybe (laughs) (laughs) yes it's uh from 1977 isn't it just and they've just restored it yes excited about that that's one and the Erica Beckman restorations, which are incredible. Mm. I mean, her work is okay. like, what, what, I, I well, it's again getting into this like thing of like language. Um, mm-hmm. And I have not seen Cinderella, but You the Better mm-hmm. is this sort of, um, I was actually like joking around online today, but um, I was like, uh, <laughs> the Lego movie is kind of a remake of You the Better. <laughs> but it, <laughs> wow. it kind of, is about like this idea of uh, it's like these people playing sort of a game um, that they're constantly trying to figure out the rules of the game and sort Mm. of like talking through their strategies for winning the game. Mm. Um, And it's these kind of like uh, performers, uh, you know, bouncing like a basketball, like sort of like passing it around. And it, it's all musical too. Um, Mm. I'm not being very articulate about this, but it's um, sort of this, musical rhythm that starts with this sort of uh, modular building being broken down to like subdivision. And then it becomes this game of these people trying to sort of interact with uh, like the houses. Uh, Hmm. Again, I, I feel like I'm great. Yes. But like, (laughs) but the thing is, is like there is no logic to the game, like clearly. Mm. And it's like, it's each person is like trying to just figure out like this. It seems like, uh, method of survival Mm. within like a chaotic system that is presents itself as very systematized Mm. though chaos is sort of underneath without seeing it but that sounds um like it has maybe interesting parallels so in words planets there's this line i must play their game but this idea like we don't really know what that game is and she um uh, on, on screen you've got like a is for something it is not fully alphabet is not then abc but you feel like there's this set of rules or it's a, a kind of score or instruction sheet but you're not sure what exactly the game is mm. yeah or it's like are you just making up a methodology right. of survival instead of like actually you know but there is no one right way um mm. and maybe no way to win or there is no winning. But again, it's all just like about sort of developing your manner of uh, engagement, I guess. With mm. And again, and this is like very, it's like very sort of music. Uh, it's like 
I mean, it's it's kind of incredible, like the way the sort of editing, the way it like propels you through this thing with this sort of bouncing ball and these sort of like very catchy sort mm. of like musical, um, like almost like a, these it, this song that's like very catchy, but very like sort of almost in between, I would say like a children's song and like a pop song mm. that is also, it's like almost taunting. That's, that's yeah. interesting. That's making me think of several of the films we talked about. Beatrice's film again with the music, um, like the Corona song being one huge one. Um, also, um, in Words Planets, there's this Fane Jade song, like old pop song coming in. Sky's film is also music is really important. And I, f- I feel like these filmmakers are thinking, what happens on an affective level when I put this in? And if I know it's a really like cheesy pop song or if it's a really like a song that's going to make everyone want to get up and dance what does that do yeah I mean I I always feel like I walk away from this program with like a a playlist (laughs) (laughs) yes it's like there are there's these like kind of incredible and like you know a lot of these I I think like Lida like obviously is a music lover um Mm. she it's always like some deep cut like needle drop like (laughs) two-thirds of the way through the movie I mean you know where you're just like Yes, like the song is incredible. I feel like Sky last year, his film had, um, he has, there's an incredible song in this year's film, but last year it was, um, oh, Not For Me. And um, he was talking about how he'd like listened to, like in the Q&A, he talked about how he'd been listening to it on repeat, like while driving across the country or something. And that was in Jaji Yabrox last year? No, it, it was in uh, the other one last year. What is it called? Dislocation Blues? Yes, it's oh, in Dislocation Blues. Because he's, um, he's also a musician, right? And one of the... Actually, my favorite song in Fainting Spells, we hear it over the scene of the sand dunes. Mm. Um, And it's this kind of resonant, very plaintive and happy at the same time song. Yeah, I want that playlist. I mean, I I also feel like Jodie Mack should just release a single (laughs) version of that Skype uh, tone <laughs> that is the best song in the <laughs> in uh, Grand Bazaar. It's yeah. just like that comes. It took me yeah. a minute. I mean, I think it it speaks to some of the themes in her work. That it took me a minute to be like, why do I know this right. beat? Yeah. And I was like, oh my god, it's the Skype tone. It's but it Skype. took me like it took me a while. Yeah. And then I was like, how did it even? Yeah. But like this kind of transmutation of uh, I don't pattern, I guess. But right. like, yeah. Were either of you in her <laughs> screening of the Grand Bazaar yesterday evening? Uh-uh. No. Apparently, um, apparently the somebody in the projection booth tripped over the cord and the sound cut out for five minutes. Oh. So then but in the auditorium, Jody did some live sound <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> um, to go over it, which is which is something she's actually done for previous work anyway but what a treat like i I feel like maybe (laughs) one of a kind yeah it's quite quite a special (laughs) thing (laughs) that's great Um, i'll say it's not a uh restoration but uh jeremy shaw's quantification trilogy you know he works with documentary footage oh okay Uh uh like reworks uh existing um uh found work or whatever and Mm um i believe i it's been a while since I've seen the Quickeners, which this so the quantification trilogy is three works by Jeremy Shaw from Quickeners from 2014, Liminals from 17, and I Can See Forever from 2018. And it's been a while since I've seen Quickeners, but um, I believe it uh, sort of repurposes footage from um, uh, Holy Ghost People, the Adair mm-hmm. movie mm-hmm. about uh, sort of Pentecostal snake handlers. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think I've seen that. Um, have you seen that one, Quickeners? No, yeah. So, or have, have either of you seen Holy Ghost People? I th- 
I, I no, no, I haven't. But but I've seen that f- footage or footage like it. I think. Yeah, it's yeah. this sort of uh, leap of faith thing mm-hmm. of you know handling yeah. snakes, and you know it is like this a real thing. I mean, I've actually seen like a lot of like crazy YouTube stuff because people still do this. Wow. And like you know the ambulance has to be called a lot of times because people get like bit by rattlesnakes and stuff. Um, because there is an empirical world where actual biological facts have effects. <laughs> I mean, again, not to get to get into like weird YouTube stuff, but like, yeah. you know, there's these weird, there, these videos where it's like uh, people are doing this snake handling thing. It's part of this sort of revival and it's like they get bit and there is like this moment of like, will it be okay because it's in this faith context yeah. and the kind of music just keeps playing. <laughs> and, is it know. specific to a particular area in the US or where is this happening? I believe it's, I don't know exactly where. I think it's, it, I believe it's Pentecostal. Mm, yeah, it's Pentecostal, but I don't know what, what, what area no. exactly. But, uh, <laughs> so again, so this trilogy is all sort of taking these older pieces um, and sort of placing them in a future where there has been a singularity or like some level of, uh, I guess you could say like an apocalypse of like humanity, but like a continuing world or something like mm-hmm. a, through a merger of like machine and man or through, you know, like all these things so that these are kind of, uh, he's taking these older documentary pieces and uh, sort of reworking with their, um, reworking their audio and also eventually sort of bringing them into this sort of, uh, these ecstatic moments in, Mm. in the quickeners. It's when, uh, again, I believe, uh, I believe there is like a snake bite or something that are speaking in tongues or something Mm -hmm. that like, you know, he like uh, starts like manipulating the image for like this ecstatic experience to be, you know, expressed also in like what he's doing with the, um, film in, I can, uh, see forever. The new one, it's appears to be, and again, I don't know enough about his, process um but it appears to be that he's working with a documentary about a dancer but it's about uh he's redone it so it's about this um and it's you know incredibly like well done sort of uh, like low-key sci-fi mm. about how this is a person who's like survived this singularity of like man and machine and he's like uh the only person who uh has this sort of augmented intelligence Mm. but all he wants to do with it is all he wants is to use his body Mm. and he's a dancer so it's like taking this actual footage of this documentary about a dancer Mm. but then like changing it so that you're hearing uh about this sort of idea of this person who can see forever who has this sort of augmented uh like you know capacity for like uh deduction and thought and like sort of logic that just wants to be in their body wow and uh, the last sort of 10 minutes of the film is just uh, this like kind of incredible like uh, sequence of the man dancing that eventually gets into this like sort of glitch thing where the sort of like machine, you're watching him dance and you're totally like absorbed in like what his body is just doing in space. And then it sort of becomes this sort of glitch thing where you eventually move almost into like a 2001 like hallway of like, a mind that is sort of outside of physical reality and in a computational thing. It's very good. And yeah. like, uh, they're very, it's very amazing. engaging. I mean, he's like, he's working with like incredible uh, material mm. and what he does with them, the way his writing his, I mean, you don't 
often like hear about or talk about like the screenwriting and experimental film, but he's a great screenwriter uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and like what he's the sort of worlds he builds in these and like the way that they work together as again, this idea where like ecstatic experience is like a historical fact and like people are like looking for it in these, mm. in this ephemera. Yeah. It's like a very interesting, you know, if you, if a, a sci-fi thing where there's like sort of one thing changed and it's like the loss of ecstatic experience. Huh. I mean, that is like a very like, right. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, what do you, what do you say? A speculative world. Speculative world. <laughs> yeah. oh, right, right. Yeah, imagined world of yeah. philosophy. Wow. Okay. Well, that's that. That's. I feel like that's such like a mind blowing um, 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 conceit there. Uh, I mean, we, we we can almost sort of sort of ease into a, a landing at this point. Um, I don't know if there is there any other film that that jumps out that you want to mention or. I just wanted to mention generally that I I always like going to screenings because there's a, just the sense of community and you're seeing movies with other filmmakers, which is sometimes incredible. Well, I I mean, that was something I didn't bring up because it almost seemed like, uh, but like with like Lida's movie, I mean, I've been come. I mean, I, you know, mm-hmm. I'm friendly with a lot of these filmmakers. Yes. I'm friends and with a lot of the filmmakers. Yeah. And like you see them for years. I mean, I mean, this is going to sound like, uh, it almost sounds like stupid or something, but it's like, I follow like Lida on Instagram and like, mm-hmm. I've seen her and her baby, you know, and then to see the movie. And that fruit possibly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you have this, yeah. like, you know, this sort of like, uh, you see people's work, not just when they're presenting it, but you're kind of seeing them make it. Like yeah. you're seeing Jody travel around the world, going to all these right. places, and like you're mm-hmm. seeing like snippets of like the stuff that she's f- f- uh, photographing for Grand Bazaar on like social media, or like mm-hmm. you talk to her like last year, or the year before, and she's working on this film, and now it's there. That it does like mm-hmm. feel like very like you know you. Yeah. Are excited not just yeah. on a you're it's not just that you're excited to see good work, but you're excited to see the fruition of these people that like mm. you respect and who you know how hard they work on this and also how hard they're working on this while also probably having another job. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. also that several several of these people are familiar faces at projections and then you see what they're doing now and that, you know, it's a departure from what you saw last time or I think that's really nice yeah but at, at the same time there are a few new and really interesting names and films that are here I, I felt like that was a really nice balance this In year between two, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah no I think I mean that's not to say that like it's just like a you know you know company picnic for yeah. the experimental film world or something <laughs> but like it is um you know it it does like you said feel like a community and it's not mm. it is like and then I think maybe getting back to like something we were talking about with Beatrice Gibson's work, it's like when you're in that sort of world that is so mm-hmm. open, I think people are like actually excited to see like what people are doing and like how yeah. people are doing things in like different ways that when like new people come in with a movie, like we both talked about, you know, filmmakers we were less familiar with. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like it, it's uh, it begets like excitement about all the stuff that you're not familiar with because mm. like it's uh it's a nurturing community, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, another thing that has struck me this year, um, and it's it's kind of, I'm sure there is a way to explain it, and that's something I would like to be able to do more articulately. Um, but it's the way, you know, you were talking about it a minute ago when you can sometimes go to some programs and you totally um, 
miss a film and you're like wow I sat through that but I must have been like my brain was switched off then or mm -hmm. I just don't remember that one mm -hmm. that has not really happened to me this year at projections and even the even the like programs when there's five films or even one two like seven films the way they've been ordered and how each one of them builds off the next but has its own um dynamic mm -hmm. has actually made them really each prominent in its own way mm. even though they're so varied right with add color being so contemplative for example or you know another thing being much more vibrant it's a hard line to walk i think because mm. you want the work to you want all the work to be enriching like your viewing of the other pieces in the program yeah. without putting forth a thesis that's going to sort of mm. limit the way that a movie's read and like just having that resonance be there without it foreclosing on different possibilities of how to read a movie is, I think, a yeah. tough line to walk. And I mean, this is a much less um, profound thing to say, but mercifully, everything's about 60 minutes long. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I've, I've gone to experimental film programs that are like 120 minutes long, and I, I right. feel like you're uh, torturing everyone in the room, <laughs> most of all the filmmakers. Mm. Right. Yeah, because like yeah. you know, again, it's hard for your work to stand out when like the movies require that much attention, and you're yeah 120 minutes into an experimental film program. Yeah, yeah, I, I think <laughs> you. No, it's true. You, 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 yeah, you, you talked very uh, interestingly about that when you were writing about not not in a negative way, but but about wavelengths and and uh, you know just being aware when that's done skillfully. You know, yeah, yeah and no, and also I'm sure from your own experience, you know, just putting putting programs together. Yeah, no, it's just it, it's nice when you can walk away from a program not feeling like you know that certain works got shortchanged yeah. because of yeah. whatever yeah. like a long program or you know one like weird outlier that made you read every movie mm -hmm. through like a very specific lens yeah yeah, yeah. i feel yeah. like i had the had the opposite this year that i'd seen a lot of them before projections in other places or screeners and then seeing them together they they sung for want of a better word like they just mm -hmm. or they shone it was yeah. really really exciting that yeah yeah i think it's a really exciting year i mean mm. there's like a number of things we didn't even talk about but you know just like gm mentino i think is like a really exciting yeah good opener right uh yeah. like, Alcacera's huh. new one mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um yeah. and i actually i have not seen second time around yet but i really loved her uh previous film yeah it's very yeah. this is um if you know her work dora garcia it doesn't disappoint it's mm -hmm. it's dense um, there's a lot of play with repetition and ideas about um, recycling, rehearsing. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah. And mm -hmm. uh, Classical Period, another one that. Oh, yeah. um, oh Ted Fent. Yeah. Yes. Also, who is also, among many other things, I guess, a projectionist here and translator. Uh, so, yeah, interesting yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah. And again, I don't, um, I haven't seen the new Dora um, Garcia movie, but. Classical period in some ways remind me of her previous feature, Joycea mm. and Society. Oh, I I've saw that. Yeah, is that that's like this or this is like that? Uh, that seemed like or there was like resonance between resonance that and <laughs> classical period for me. Mm. I, that like, I like this that sort one. of like reading group, like getting deep into like the sort of dynamics of like a reading group. Okay. We were talking yeah. about this at Locarno, so. weren't yeah. we? We yeah, were kind of Joycean. coming up with like a. a what that was about a hypothetical program of films about reading groups or bookish yeah. bookish uh, films basically and i feel like film. ted fence one would be perfect in this <laughs> yeah. yeah um 
<laughs> watch their space. Yeah, let's yeah. watch their space. Yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah, yeah, sure. we, yeah we, can, we can end on that tantalizing note mm-hmm. of watching people reading. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I guess we can wrap up. But thank you both so much. This has been really terrific. And we'll, I hope you talk about projections next year as well. Great. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. Bye bye. You've been listening to the Film Comment Podcast with music by Greg Einge. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Film Comment is a bi-monthly magazine published by the Film Society of Lincoln Center. Since 1962, Film Comment has featured in-depth features, critical analysis, and feature coverage of mainstream, art house, and avant-garde filmmaking from around the world. Visit us online at filmcomment.com to purchase a print or digital subscription to Film Comment. Or check out our app, available on Android, iOS, or Kindle.